Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more information about Alive Church, please visit alivechurchoc.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in Alive Church OC. I want to thank God today for being here in this house for each and every one of you. You were called here. It wasn't an accident that you're here today. And I know that God has a word for you today. Amen? Yes, amen. God, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you for each and every individual in this room, God, in this house today, oh God. And those that are watching us from afar, God. I pray, God, that you would move mightily in this place, God, that this would be a word straight from heaven, God, that there wouldn't be any interaction, any distractions, God, anything that would keep, God, the people to hear your word today, God. So we silence the noise today, God. We say open up their ears, God. I pray that they would open up their hearts, God, and that they would have an encounter with you, God, that they would leave not the same, God. Transform, God. Change, God, into who you want them to be, God, who you call them to be, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Are you ready for today? Yes. All right. All right. So I'm going to jump right in real quick here. So Nehemiah 9 verses 19 through 25. The word of God says, but in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of clouds still led them forward by day and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Then you helped our ancestors conquer kingdoms and nations, and you placed your people at every corner of the land. They took over the land of King Sihon of Heshbon and the land of King Og of Bashan. You made their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and brought them into the land you had promised to their ancestors. They went in and took possession of the land. They went in and took possession of the land. You subdued whole nations before them. Even the Canaanites who inhabited the land were powerless. Your people could deal with these nations and their kings as they pleased. Our ancestors captured their fortified cities and fertile land. They took over houses full of good things with cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate until they were full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves and all your blessings. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, the title of my message today is Taking Ground. Everybody say taking ground. ground. You know, there comes a time in your life when we need to claim our territory. That when we need to own it, where we are, where you live, where you go to church, we just need to put our foot down. Enough is enough. You see, what I love about Scripture as you read it, you oftentimes find yourself in it. Like God is speaking directly to you. And you might be in a season. Do you ever do that? Does it ever speak to you? Have you ever been reading something you're like, wow, that is me? See, Moses, before the story, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. And so this story was out of Nehemiah, but it's a reminder of what happened. And so they were enslaved and captured and trapped for such a long period of time and God did a great miracle, parted the Red Sea, and released them. And they witnessed the major miracle. The people rejoiced, and they were excited. They were happy. And then what? They got difficult. They failed to obey. They struggled again and again. Food, water, they were yelling. They were getting angry and upset with Moses. 
Aaron. They, they built a golden calf. They started worshiping pagan gods. So instead of sticking to what God told them to do, they decided to do what, what they wanted to do. And I think oftentimes that we do that too. God tells us what to do. He tells us where to go. He tells us what to say. He gives us the, the easy way. But instead, we always, we always choose a difficult path. It's called going around the mountain. Now you wonder why they were stuck for 40 years. They weren't listening to God. They were disobedient. It's like your kids, you know, you tell them, hey, the stove's getting hot. And they go, ah, don't put your hand on the stove. Ah, don't put your hand on the stove. But they keep doing it over and over again. Or maybe chores that you tell them to do, you know, you have to take your cell phone away from them. They do it again. You take your cell phone away again and over and over again. Don't speed or you'll get a ticket. In Deuteronomy 2, 3, it says, you have circled this mountain long enough, turn northward. God gave them orders and they obeyed this time. He told them what to do. They followed those orders. They were able to pass through the country, through the land. He said, there's going to be folks there that might stop you, block you, but don't, you, they won't be bothered. Don't bother with them. They won't bother you. You have to pay for your food. So God gave them a way and it was much easier than the world that they've already traveled. So we don't always see God's way because we're too busy looking through the world's lens of how we should be and how we should act and what we should do. We need to put on our spiritual glasses and start seeing the world and the things of this world and the nations through God's lenses, your spiritual lenses. Amen? Have you ever walked in a circle? Just go round and round. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Those of you that ever run track before, I used to run the mile. I know my son runs track too. That's four laps around that track. You just go round and round and round, and it's quite boring, and it does get very exhausting. Or maybe that you've been on a merry-go-round that just goes round in circles, and you're like, where am I gonna, where am I gonna stop? Where am I going? Or if you've ever played the games and you get together, those, they call them Izzy Dizzies. I don't know if everybody has the same name, but you get down and you have a baseball bat or a stick, and you put your head and you start going round and round and round and round and round. And then you get up and you're confused. And sometimes you fall over. And it's quite funny to watch people. But it's not funny when that happens in real life. Because when you go around and around the mountain, you get dazed and confused. You get lost to where you are. You forget who God is. Everyone say, I'm done circling the mountain. No, 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 no. You got to say it better than that. Say, I'm done circling the mountain. How many of you know that we serve a good father? Yes. We do. We serve a good, good father. So when we look back through verses 19, 19 through 21, even though that the people were struggling during this time, God and all of his goodness still provided. He didn't abandon them, and he doesn't leave us or abandon us today. He gave them a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night to give them direction and to guide them. He does that for us today. He gave the spirit to instruct them as what we have today, the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus said, I'll send you a helper. He gave them food, water, clothing. It lasted for 40 years. Now, I want some clothing like that. Yes, Buy it and it'll last for 40 years. I may not be in style, but I got clothes that can last a long time. <laughs> Even on our toughest days, ladies and gentlemen, we need to thank God. Has he been good to you? Yes. Do you remember when he woke you up this morning? Yeah. Do you remember when he saved you? Yes. Do you remember when he blessed you? Yes. 
Do you remember when he healed you? Yes. When he freed you? Yes. When he paid that bill for you? Yes. When he gave you that car? Amen. That house that you're in? Amen. The family that you have? Yes. The friends that you have? Yes. I don't know about you, but I thank him every day for waking me up. Life's no, there's no guarantees. The breath of my lungs, the, and the breath in my lungs, the air that I breathe, I thank him for my family, my friends. I thank him for this territory, for this church, our pastors. Yes. See, the scripture is a great reminder of what God did for the people then. But it's also a great reminder for what he does for us. Yes. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So as we move forward and we see in Nehemiah verses 22 to 23... It says, then you helped our ancestors conquer kingdoms and nations, and you placed your people in every corner of the land. They took over the land of King Sihon of Heshbon and the land of King Og of Bashan. You made their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and brought them into the land you had promised to their ancestors. See, in the previous verses, we saw how God provided. But now here, as we move forward, the people are equipped, right? And so being equipped with things helps you to be able to move forward. You see, they were conquering kingdoms now. They were taking over land. You could see that the people were multiplying. There was expansion. This is, show, this is a, a sign, like the train. It's moving forward. It's gaining some momentum, right? There's a shift. They're going somewhere. They're moving forward. Then this is what God does. He provides and he equips. Has he provided for you? Well, if you say yes, then he's equipped you with that very thing he provided. Let's see what happens next. As we move to verses 24 to 25, it says, They went in and took possession of the land. You subdued whole nations before them. Even the Canaanites who inhabited the land were powerless. Your people could deal with these nations and their kings as they pleased. Our ancestors captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took over houses full of good things with cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate until they were full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves and all your blessings. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a whole nother level. There's a difference between taking over as what was previously mentioned, but now they took possession. And that word possession means owning, ownership, control. They took over nations. They captured fortified cities. Not just, when, when we say the word fortified, like think about that. That's bunkered down. There's probably big giant walls, brick buildings. Fully furnished houses, cisterns, those are like reservoirs, olives and fruit trees. When they took possession, they claimed the territory, the, their abundance, and it began to grow and overflow. So as you see, provision, when God provides for us, he equips us. And that equipping is set in motion for a releasing so that we can go do the things that God has called us to do. And when we do that, we live in abundance. So remember how I said earlier when you read scripture that you find yourself in the middle of it? Yes. Do you see yourself claiming what God gave you? Yes. Or do you see yourself sitting back, waiting for someone else to do it? Mm. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, to take ground. Yes. It's time to take ground. Yes. So what's God saying to you? What is your purpose? What's your calling? You all have a call on your life. You're all predestined by God to fulfill his purpose, not yours, his. You're part of a body. You bring something unique. You have skills. You have talents. 
We're all designed differently, but we all have the same purpose. That's to glorify God. If we look at Ephesians 1.11, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, everybody say predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And if we take that word predestined and we break it in half, and you'll see that we look at the word, the first part of it is pre. And pre means before or beginning. So when we look at some scriptures, Proverbs 16, 9, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord, and he delights in his way and blesses his path. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And I love Jeremiah 29, 10, and 11 because it says this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Amen? Amen. This means that our steps, the directions that we go, our plans, they are all created before we were even born. He said, I have it all planned out. You know, the second half of that word predestined, so when we take a look at it, destined, or it means destination, that's where you're going. Where are you going? Where are you headed? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We're to live from faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory, not in a circle, lost, going round and round, confused, but to a finish line, to what God transformed us into an image of Christ. Because in Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, yeah. with all your soul, and with all your mind. He, God wants us to have a relationship. And when we do all of those things, we're conformed to his image. We'll see that we'll have the fruits, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness. We'll humble ourselves. Being conformed to the image of Christ. You know, I was running the other day, and it was quite a journey when I took off, and it started very well. Straightaways. If you've ever been running, you get on straightaways. A lot of times you can see the finish line, and you can see where you're going, and you're like, okay, I can get there. I can make it. But towards the end of my run, there were some curves coming up, and ironically, I started to get tired during that time. You see, I started to lose sight of the finish line because I was making a bend and I couldn't see where I was going. So we lose sight, start to complain, and I was getting tired. My posture shifted, shoulders dropped. Am I going to make it? I started doubting myself. Isn't that happen? Isn't that what happens when we lose sight of God? We forget who we are where we are, where we're going, what's our purpose. 
God spoke clearly to me in this. I didn't give up. But he told me, he said, Chris, if you're not careful, those curves can become circles. God wants us to take ground. And so why don't we keep the ground that we've already given to us when we make progress? Why do we backslide? Why do we lose our way? Why do we get stuck? If we look at Nehemiah 9, 16 to 17, it says, but our ancestors were proud and stubborn and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them. Thank God that he never gives up on us. But what happened? Pride. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. They were disobedient. They were rebellious. And you know what happens when we don't keep the ground that, that's given to us? In Nehemiah 9, 36 to 37, it tells us, it says, So now today we are slaves in the land of plenty that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. The lush produce of this land piles up in the hands of the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They have power over us and our livestock. We serve them at their pleasure and we are in great misery. Does that sound familiar today? Slaves to the land, to the people that we put in office, the corruption that's there, they have power over us. We can get a mindset of disbelief. Oh, poor me. We start blaming others. We feel sorry for ourselves. We become inward looking. Let's just take care of ourselves. Easily offended, entitled. We get this defensive attitude, this defensive mindset that you're always, we're always reacting. The cycle repeats itself and we go back to being comfortable because it's easy. We find ourselves back in that circle again. Round and round you go. Forgetting all the things God did for us. We forget our purpose, which was what? To glorify God. Complaining, murmuring, pride does not glorify God. At some point, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you need to decide. You have to make a decision that I've had enough, that you got to take action. Just like the Israelites, when they took possession of the land, everything broke open. That's where abundance happened. Amen? Now, I love football, and you're probably thinking, like, you're just preaching a message. Why are we talking about football now? Don't worry. Jesus loves football, too. <laughs> yes, sir. So in football, there's an offense and a defense, right? The offense's job is to take the ball down the field and score on the opponent. The defense's job is to stop the offense. And so there's this old saying that defense wins championships. I used to believe that, but not anymore. I disagree with that. See, your defense is important, right? But if you give up zero points in the game with your defense and your offense scores zero points, the defense doesn't win. 
but Chris, what if my defense scores a touchdown? Reality is, is that's really the offense. Because when the offense has a ball, its job is to score. So when you're defending, what's your posture look like? Those of you that have played any other sports and basketball and stuff, you might be down or whatever. You get on your heels when you start to get tired. You rock back a little bit, but you're always reacting. Something goes over here, you're moving over here. Somebody moves over here, you're going over here. You're always in a reactionary mode when you're playing defense. Defense is always reacting, and your offense is always attacking. And in case you're wondering, there's a winner and a loser. And yes, I'm going there. Not everyone gets a ribbon. There's no ties. If that was the case, Jesus would have died for nothing. Because when he went to the cross, he was moving forward. He was on offense. He was attacking the enemy. He had the cross on his back. And he's like, ain't nothing going to stop me. I'm going to what the Father says. There ain't no tie. There ain't no tie. He took ground step by step. He had his eyes on the Father. He says, I know the plan that you have for me. I know the purpose. I know what I'm called to do. When Jesus walked the earth, he took ground. He wasn't trying to just stop the devil reacting to him. He was fighting for us. He was on offense. In Deuteronomy 1.30, it says, the Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. Joshua 23.3 says, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Let me just give you a few miracles that Jesus said. This isn't all of them, but this is what he did. He healed a government official's son. He drove out an evil spirit from a man. He healed Peter's sick mother-in-law. He cleansed a man with leprosy. He healed the centurion's paralyzed servant. He healed the man with the withered hand. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He calmed the storm. He cast the demons into a herd of pigs. He heals the woman with the issue of blood. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed a woman who was crippled for 18 years. He heals the lame, heals the the blind, and he heals the sick. Jesus was busy moving forward attacking the enemy, freeing people. He was taking ground. You better watch out, devil. I'm coming after you. That's the posture we need to take these days. 1 John 5, verse 4 to 5 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then we see in Romans 8, 37, it says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We are called to occupy and conquer. Every child of God, it says, defeats this evil world. It says it gives us overwhelming victory. Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. We're created to walk in dominion, because it says over all the earth. Galatians 4, 7 says, so now you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir 
We are heirs to his throne. We're called to occupy, to conquer, to walk in dominion, and to be heirs. Are you ready to go after the enemy today? Are you ready to claim what God gave you? Because there's more. You ready to take the ground that your ancestors gave you, that your ancestors gave us? Well, I'm going to help you. There's four ways to take ground that God gave us. Number one is to build a house. Build a house. And when we look at a house, we can see that a house has a resting place, brings stability, and it brings protection. So if we look at Psalm 91, 1 and 2, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no enemy can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust with great confidence and on whom I rely. I love this house. It's a resting place. How many of you traveled either recently or Sometime before, maybe you went back to see grandma, your great aunt, your great uncle or somebody, and you get on the airplane. First, you got to get a ride to the airport, and you just hang out there for a while, and then you get on the plane, and you're on the plane for a while, and then you get to the other side, you get a car, and then you're going to grandma's house, grandpa's house, great granny's house. You got relatives you don't even know you're going to their house, and you're driving all over the place. It wears you out. But when you come home, when you come home, into your bed, it's all made, nice, clean sheets, and you just rest. You just rest. Building a house brings stability. Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You ever stood on asphalt before? And on sand, maybe two different times, when it's been raining for a long time. When you stand on the asphalt and it's raining a long time, you just kind of stand there. You get wet. But if you stand on sand while it's raining for a long time, you start to sink a little bit. You get muddy. It gets thick. It's hard to move. Building a house on the rock brings stability. Building a house brings protection. Psalm 23, 4 says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. We build God's house by giving tithes, offerings, our time, serving, serving one another. So if we want to take ground, we need to build a house. Number two. We need to maintain accountability. Maintain accountability. Turn to your neighbor and say, say, accountability. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hold me accountable. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We are all accountable to God for our actions. We should also be accountable to each other. You know, I work in the military, so every day we got to take roster and report. There's accountability of us to know where everybody is. We look to the person to our left, to the right. When times get tough and difficult, we rely on them. We're accountable to them to do what they're supposed to do because people's lives are in their hands. 
helps keep us on track too. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. That word edify means to build up. So we need a teammate. That's where fellowship comes into place. Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You need to surround yourself with a team of core members. Like our connect groups. People that are going to speak life into you and help you along the way to hold you accountable to keep you from isolation. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we've seen the effects of some isolation through this season of COVID that took over. It's so easy that when you're isolated, they get taken out. We've seen depression and things happen. If you've ever seen National Geographic or watched those the, the videos of the wild animals and stuff, and you see the pack of antelope or whatever as they're walking and they're moving. They're so strong when they're all together. And there can be a herd of lions or whatever predators out there circling them, but as long as they're all together moving forward, everything is good. But once one of them is sick or falls behind, isolated, that's when the attack happens. So if we want to take ground, we need to maintain accountability. Number three, take ownership. Take ownership. If we think about the definition of ownership, is the act or state or right of possessing something, being an owner. Like if you own your house or you own your car, it's yours. Take ownership. And when, some, when you own something, you take better care of it. Because how many of you, come on, be honest here, have got a rental car before? Uh-huh. And when you jump in that rental car, you think you're like the Dukes of Hazard, that you've just been on the you know, Coca-Cola 600, like you're a NASCAR, and you're like, and you're going, and you're driving, and you're jumping. That's not your car. But if it was your car, would you be driving it the same way? You got to take ownership. You got to bloom or you're planted. You've all heard that saying before, right? If you're a gardener, you're, you've got to plow, and you got to pick weeds in order to get the harvest, You take ownership. You want to serve in church. Leviticus 25, 23 says, Your land must not be sold on a permanent basis because you do not own it. It belongs to God. And you are like foreigners who are allowed to make use of it. This speaks of stewardship. This is everything that we have and that we own is all God's. We got to be good stewards of all of that. Amen? Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. We've got to take care of things. You come into the church, pick up the trash if you see a piece of trash on the ground. You know? If you see the carpet's dirty, clean the carpet. We've got to take ownership. So if we want to take ground, we must take ownership. That's good. That's good. I'd like to invite the musicians back to the stage. And number four, embrace the season. Embrace the season. Oh, this was a tough one for me. But there's a reason why that you're here in church. There's a reason why you're here today, why you have a job. There's a reason for it. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now I want to share a little story with you that call it a divine assignment. We've known Pastor Troy and Pastor Amler for quite some time because years ago they would come and visit the church that we used to be a part of on the East Coast. 
And so we left and we lived in Japan and we were gone for quite some time and we came back to the States. And when we came back to the States, we were praying and wondering like, what church are we gonna go to? Where are we gonna go? And so we decided to go back to the East Coast where we were from originally. And we went over there because we needed to pick up our dog. One, that's a whole nother testimony. <laughs> and so we got on the East Coast to pick up our dog and we said, hey, we're in the area, let's go back to our church that we used to be a part of. Let's go see the new building because we've been sewing into a new season and we had to leave because we had orders and we had to go work somewhere else. But let's go back and visit the people and see how they're doing. And so we did. It was our only time, the only Sunday that we could make it there in our schedule because we were gonna drive across the country. And so we decided to go to church that day and guess who was there? Pastor Troy and Pastor Anwen preaching the word. Ladies and gentlemen, that is, a design, that is a divine appointment. And they said, hey, what are you guys doing here? I said, we got orders. We're going to California. Now, let me tell you, like, we had no idea that they lived in California. We had no idea where that. We just knew that they came to the church, and they would give a great word. They're great, you know, wonderful people, but we didn't know where they lived. And so we're like, hey, we're, you know, we need to go to church. We're trying to find a place. They're like, where are you going? We're going, hey, we're going to San Clemente in California. And they said, hey, why don't you come to our church? We're like, okay. So we came to church. So we showed up. And then we kept showing up and we kept showing up. It was a season that we were in. God's divine appointment for people to give us a message to tell us where to go as we were praying, wondering where to go. You know, my wife and I have been here for a little bit now, almost three years, and we've talked often about moving going to a different place, to Temecula, to move here, to move there, because it's cheaper, because it's easier. I'm just being honest with you. You know, in the upcoming months, I'll be transitioning from the military, you know, and there'll be freedom there. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean that, that it'll be the first time in our lives that we're going to be able to pick and choose wherever we want to go. Yeah. Whatever we want to do, we're going to have that opportunity to do that. We can go anywhere. But we chose to stay here. In this season, in this time, no matter how difficult it's been or it's going to be, the prices, whatever it is, I don't know what job I'm going to have when I get out. Our family, they all live in other states. And we have to go visit them from time and time again. And what a wonderful time. But we're choosing to stay here. Because this is the season that God has us in. We're embracing where we are. We're making that choice to follow God. Because ladies and gentlemen, we don't want to circle the mountain. We don't want to circle the mountain. It may seem easy. It may seem difficult. We want to stick with God. Because I know God's way is the best way. We want to break the cycle. If you want to break the cycle, going around the mountain, doing the mundane over and over and over again, we got to take ground. You got to build a house. Everyone say, build a house. We got to maintain accountability. Everybody say accountability. We got to take ownership. Say ownership. And number four, you got to embrace the season. Everybody say, I will embrace the season. Amen. God, I just thank you, God. 
I thank you, God, for this time and this season, God, where you have each and every one of us, God. I thank you, God, as you lead the way, God, as you go forth, God, that you're on offense, God, that you're fighting for us, God. You're fighting for the things of goodness, God. We are here to be stewards, God. So I thank you, God, that we're here for a purpose and a reason, that you have a call upon our life, God. I thank you, God, for helping us, God, to build your house here, God, that you will provide finances, God, that you will provide resources, God, so as we establish ourselves in this place, God, that we will rise up, God, that we will maintain accountability with each other, God, that we will take ownership, God, of all of the things that you have for us, God, and above all, God, that we will pour our hearts out to you, oh God, that we will embrace you, God, that we will embrace the season that we're in, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, 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 amen. Let's all stand to our feet.